Hello there and welcome in to your Newsmax Daily for Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. It's World Turtle Day, created in 1990 by the American Tortoise Rescue. And although tortoises and turtles are not the same thing, Today is dedicated to protecting both of them, and it's a day that you're supposed to move around slowly. No, I'm just kidding. It's also National Library Workers Day, created in appreciation of all the work public library employees do for their communities. Although libraries have been around for centuries, did you know it's been less than 200 years since the first public library opened in the United States? I mean, think about that. Less than 200 years since we had a public library. Prior to 1833, all libraries were privately owned, making it pretty difficult for regular folk to get books. And now most public libraries, as you may or may not know, offer many, many resources in addition to books. If you haven't been to your public library or not in a while, you definitely should swing by and check it out. And on the food calendar today, It's National Taffy Day, which I don't think technically qualifies as food, even though you do eat it. Maybe go take a book out of the library today, say Happy Library Workers Day to the librarian, and then eat some taffy while you're reading it. You know, like back in high school. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. They swept the Lakers to reach the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history, which goes all the way back to 1976 when the leagues had the big merger. It's always fun to see somebody new in the uh, finals. In the NHL playoffs, the Florida Panthers are now one game away from their first trip back to the Stanley Cup since 1996, which they lost. Florida beating Carolina Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals last night in a game that finally didn't go into overtime. In the West, Dallas and Las Vegas will play Game 3 tonight in the Big D. Vegas leading that series two games to one. If I were a betting man, or if you were a betting man or woman, I'd say Dallas is probably a pretty good bet for tonight. And as they say on Wall Street, that is not a recommendation, just a comment from Tony Marino. And congratulations to South Carolina Senator Tim Scott betting on himself, now officially a 2024 Republican presidential candidate. Our nation, our values, and our people are strong. But our president is weak. His message is a lot about his story. Growing up in poverty, how he nearly flunked out of high school, turned his life around, a lot of help from his mother, a lot of hard work, his Christian faith, and basically that anybody in America can make it. I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States. We get more from Greg Kelly. I don't know. What was that guy? Howard Dean in Iowa? There's hints of that right now. Anyway, I like him. I respect him. But why now? Uh, I don't think so. He says his story is a really compelling one. Everybody's got a story. You do. I do. He does. We live in the land of opportunity. We live in the land where it is absolutely possible for a kid raised in poverty, in a single-parent household, in a small apartment, to one day serve in the people's house, and maybe even the White House. 
The crowd was applauding all too much. They got in the way. That speech was too long because of the applause. Look, the whole story routine, I don't know. It's what skills do you bring to the table now? Barack Obama, he was really big on the story, right? Uh, single parent, oh, by the way. The father was off uh, back in Africa. I just... Um, Whatever. I don't care. What can you do for us right now? What are the skills? We know Obama had no skills. That's Greg Kelly, host of Greg Kelly Reports. Newsmax's Tom Basilli was at Scott's announcement rally and sat down with the senator. You said up on that stage that you would engage the United States military in eliminating the cartels. You said the cartels would cease to exist. Yes. Talk to us about your border policy. So there's three ways to do that. Number one, you can make the cartels cease to exist on our side of the border by having a wall. Number two, you can make the cartels cease to exist by freezing their assets. I have legislation that I think has a real path forward this year mm -hmm. that will freeze the assets of the, of the Mexican cartels. And number three, we should use our military in the most effective way possible to combat the issues, not just 1,500 troops on our borders, like President uh, Biden has done, uh, leading from behind, retreating from our borders. We, we need to have a strong, powerful force that simply says, not on my watch. We're not allowing for another 70,000 Americans to lose their lives to fentanyl. So whatever it takes, I think a clear, concise message to the Mexican cartels is what we need. I would, I would not pull anything off the table mm -hmm. as it relates to getting that job done. Speaking of which, you also talked about China today. Yes. And you said, quote, uh, I, we, America, can win this war, this but competition with China, but Joe Biden can't do it. How are you going to do that? And, yeah. and how how would you therefore in in all in, in within doing that address a lot of the economic challenges that we're facing in this country? Yeah, at the same time? Well, I think they're synonymous. I think you can conflate the answer two answers into one. Basically, <clears throat> says that the more independent we are from China, mm -hmm. the more robust and strong our economy will be. The more we allow China to to extract money from our economy, the more our debt payments go up with China. The less reliant and dependent we are on ourselves. Mm -hmm. The more we have an industrial revolution, taking my Made in America agenda, where we actually reshore jobs back to America, bring home the jobs and the investment back to America, build out our Midwest and our rural parts of this country with jobs through my Opportunity Zones legislation, having Opportunity Zones 2.0 mm -hmm. will create high paying jobs, incredibly large factories with people living far above the average wage. Republican presidential candidate South Carolina Senator Tim Scott with Newsmax's Tom Basile. Nikki Haley, the former South Carolina governor who was also running, appointed Scott to the Senate back in 2012. Meanwhile, Donald Trump responded to Scott's announcement with a message of congratulations and encouragement, calling Scott a big step up from Ron DeSanctimonious, who Trump said is totally unelectable. You know, a lot of people are reading a lot of different things into this, but I'm starting to think that perhaps Trump feels like DeSantis is more of a threat than anybody else, which he probably is, and that's why he's going so hard after DeSantis. DeSantis, meanwhile, is expected to announce his candidacy within days. Former Republican presidential candidate and former Arkansas governor Mike Huckabee spoke about DeSantis with Eric Bowling. Mike, uh, I, time, or it's, I should say interesting time, timing in politics, there are no coincidences. So 
DeSantis is allegedly going to announce Wednesday or Thursday for president, and the NAACP decides today, or Saturday, they, they're going to tell minorities, don't go to Florida. What are your thoughts? Well, the tragedy is the NAACP could have a very important role to play in race relations. But years ago, they abandoned that. They no longer are uh, an organization about race relations. They're simply a front for Democrat Party left-wing politics. And it's tragic, because there are issues they could be playing on, but they're not. And getting into this is absurd. And they've made a joke of themselves by saying, oh, don't come to Florida. It, it's not safe for you. And I loved what you said. Yeah, why don't you go to Chicago? That ought to be a real safe place. Try Baltimore, uh, New York, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland. There's some wonderful places you could go. And I'm sure you would feel very safe as long as you stayed in your hotel room and never left. This is absurd. And everybody who's ever been to Florida knows that it's absurd. And I think Ron DeSantis gets the last laugh on all of this nonsense. I thought it was particularly ridiculous that LULAC, who used to also be right. a respectable organization, they've come out and said, this is terrible for uh, law-abiding citizens. And then they included, and migrants. And I'm thinking, OK, and legal migrants? What about illegal? Those aren't law-abiding American citizens. And they missed the point. They missed it badly. But most Americans get it, and they're not buying it. Look, I don't know what most Americans are buying these days, but I live in Florida. Eric Bowling lives in Florida. Millions, yes, millions of people of color live in Florida, and we are not buying it. In Washington, the Secret Service says a crash near the White House last night may have been intentional. A U-Haul truck slamming into security barriers on the north side of Lafayette Square. According to U.S. Park Police, the driver was arrested on multiple charges, including threatening to kill, kidnap, or harm a president, vice president, or family member. And Monday afternoon's White House debt meeting between House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden showed some signs of progress. We want to be able to come to an agreement. We both agree on the areas um, that we know there's disagreement on. But I think it was productive in the professionalism, the honesty with one another and the desire to fight, try to find common ground. Speaker McCarthy saying the sticking points are still Democratic tax hikes for the wealthy versus spending cuts for everyone else, but insists they are getting closer to a deal. Virginia Congressman Ben Klein, a member of the House Appropriations and Budgets Committees on The Chris Salcedo Show. Congressman, good to see you. You know, if we hit the debt ceiling, it's true that, that we won't be able to, to borrow to pay for all of Washington's profligate spending. But hitting the debt ceiling doesn't mean default, so long as politicians prioritize spending, right? Something that you folks ought to be doing up there already. Am I right? Uh, true. Technically, it won't be a default, but we all want to make sure that we uh, raise the debt ceiling, but we attach those important reforms to avoid accruing debt at the record pace that Joe Biden's been doing over the past several years. No doubt you've heard the talk about Democrats wanting the president to invoke the 14th Amendment to unilaterally raise the debt ceiling. Well, even Obama said that the 14th Amendment cannot be used in this way. But I, I want to talk about the Republican response, Congressman. Lost in all the politics is what, what's an examination of our, of our politicians' priorities. 
Congressman, if the Democrats go down the extra constitutional road and try to, to bypass Congress, what would your duty compel you to do, sir? In other words, you as a man, as an American, how does your duty compel you to respond if the Democrats want to ignore the debt ceiling law and invoke this 14th Amendment clause? Well, Chris, there are these modern monetary theorists out there who think that deficits don't matter, that debt doesn't matter, that the Constitution can be invoked and our, our requirements under the law to raise the debt ceiling be waived so they can keep spending the trillions of dollars that they've been spending. And it's just not something that we can continue to do. So as Americans, we have a responsibility to govern in a responsible manner, fiscally responsible manner. So the controls that we put in place to make sure we don't accrue this debt at a clip, trillions and trillions of dollars, a uh, trillion dollar deficits every year, uh, we put in place cuts to spending. We clawed back COVID money. We put in place uh, Mean, uh, work requirements for welfare benefits. We put in place energy independence legislation to help bring down inflation. All of these things have 80% support among the American people. It's just the liberal left in Washington that's refusing to agree because they know it clips their wings and their ability to spend. Virginia Congressman Ben Klein of the House Appropriations and Budget Committees with Chris Salcedo, host of the Chris Salcedo Show weekdays at 4 o'clock Eastern, a must-watch Newsmax program. President Biden said while there are areas of disagreement, leaders and staff will continue to discuss the path toward a bipartisan deal. Technically, the federal government could run out of money as soon as June 1st, which is a little more than a week away from today. Now that that meeting is out of the way, the president has absolutely nothing scheduled on his calendar today. And let's wrap it up with Rob Schmidt's news from the left. Next up, Brittany Griner's coach can't understand why Griner's first WNBA game back since she was freed from Russia wasn't a total sellout. Over the weekend, the Phoenix Mercury uh, coach uh, Vanessa Nygaard slammed the fans in L.A. for not selling out the arena. I mean, it was, it was great, but, like, honestly, come on, L.A. Like, we didn't sell the arena for BG. Like, I expected more, you know, to be honest, right? Like, it was great, it was loud, but um, how, was, how was it not a sellout? I mean, really, if you can't sell out that game in Los Angeles, California, you ain't selling it out anywhere. I doubt that the people of L.A. are... Racist, sexist bigots, as the coach there is alleging, I would say. Griner and her team made their season debut uh, on Friday against the Los Angeles Sparks in front of about 10,000 fans, which is, I would say, pretty good. A little more than half the capacity. They lost by 23 points. Griner actually stood for the national anthem during that game for the first time since 2020. She stood for the national anthem. Uh, that's back when she wowed in 2020 to never appear on the court again during the anthem. And now the same liberals who reported or who supported her decision to sit out in 2020 are now defending her standing back up. This recent headline from the left-wing media outlet, The Atlantic, Brittany Griner has the right to change her mind. The piece written by race baiter Jamel Hill, who goes on to say the WNBA player has a different perspective on the Star-Spangled Banner, but hasn't given up the cause of justice. Funny to watch them realize how great the country really is after being in a Russian jail for a couple years. If only they could see the damage they were doing to this place with all their ridiculous race hustling, which is all manufactured for a reason.
Such a great segment. Be sure to catch Rob Schmidt on Newsmax tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern, followed by The Balance with Eric Bowling and Newsmax's newest show, Chris Plant, The Right Squad at 9. Newsmax is available on most major cable systems like AT&T, Comcast, DirecTV, Dish, Spectrum, and many other cable providers. If you are not getting it, call your provider and demand Newsmax. It's also available on your favorite platforms like Apple TV, Amazon, Roku, and others. And make sure you download the Newsmax app on your smartphone. This way you can watch your favorite shows anywhere, anytime you want. Thank you for listening to the Newsmax Daily Podcast. I'm Tony Marino. Check out some of the other great Newsmax podcasts as well. Enjoy the rest of your day or night. We'll see you right back here tomorrow in the meantime keep fighting the good fight news breaks every minute every day you need the app the newsmax app find it free on your smartphone store then watch us anytime anywhere